0: welcome to keyframes a podcast about anime i'm your host ben halliburton with me today is andy hi 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 and duncan yellow it's the end of the spring 2023 anime season uh i watched a few y'all watched a lot more and Mm -hmm. together we have some opinions about this season which i think i characterize as a as a slow season at the beginning and then got roasted for uh, isn't that every season? Uh, Is it every season a slow season? <laughs> possibly, possibly. Time may be a flat circle, um, but you you are right, Ben. That that it has
1: hasn't been as many outstanding shows as we maybe thought. There might might be at the start. Some haven't. Some have distinctly dropped off, and others have pretty much stayed as they were. Like the the solidly middle of the road shows, and uh, that, that's why I, I thought think, I, I think could.
2: there's I think there's like. Four at least yeah. that quality. I, I think
1: there's a big, I think there's a clear big four, and we'll, we'll see if we have the same big four, but.
0: Actually, I'll take that back. Five. I only watched four shows. So. <laughs> Depends, like, uh, my four I, 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 I only, only have the four I can have. Uh, one of them you didn't like, so yeah. that's. Uh, one of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only one of them did I truly enjoy. It's. We'll get into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's yeah, start let's with start.
1: something thoroughly mediocre, but enjoyable, <laughs> yeah, which is uh, Otaku Elf um so this is a slice of life show about a elf who is the enshrined deity of a uh strangely enough a shrine in tokyo and her miko um koito and they elder uh the elf basically is an uh, attacker she stays in her her room in the shrine and she never wants to come out she she collects things and hoards and the show uses this as a jumping up off point for sort of looking at how we relate to our history and how that relates to community which is slightly more crunchy than i expected like d- delivered in a very soft very easily consumed way like I, I think the best way i could uh pitch it to someone is it's it's basically uh a less horny dagashi kashi <laughs> every episode has uh elder Giving some little anecdote about the culture of Edo in the past, which she, being an immortal elf, has sort of lived through all these changing little cultural things. And so, she, when uh, she's having an argument with Koito, or Koito brings her uh, uh, something new, she's like, Ah, this reminds me of. And then comes the little spiel about that, this little bit of uh, history of Edo or of or later when more elves are introduced uh, the history of these different parts of Japan of um, Hokkaido and... um, Osaka. Yeah. And the other thing which her immortality obviously gives it a chance to reflect upon is how communities often coalesce around constants, the things in them which don't change, even as the people... Um, move in and out naturally over time, both metaphorically and just by dying. Um, And her sort of knowledge of all the different people and the different generations sort of holds this small community together. And if you just want something relaxing to watch, she'll give you little bits of, tidbits of Japanese culture, that's fine. It's 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 a it's a it's a great little bite-sized thing. But do not watch it if you're ex- wanting good animation, because yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although yeah. I, I think the characters are quite handsomely designed. They're they're very pleasant mm. to look at. But they are, yeah, it, it is it's it's got it's got that uh, it's got that healthy blush to the skin, which Andy loves. Um, mm. And but they are basically cutouts with which yeah. just stay in position and go their mouths go da 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 and then oh no exclamation mark
2: the most animation you get is when they then turn into chibi forms and yeah stuff in an easier <laughs> animated form mm-hmm. i yeah i i like the way that elder contextualizes these old historic things uh, as in this like modern way which is very attacker-ish. Mm-hmm. i think that is very funny and very joyful especially when she talks about like artwork or sort of the way that people respect and renown like these old classic historical Like, there's one whole bit where she talks about advertisements
1: yeah that was funny and how
2: now it they're like respected pieces of historical historical items like you find them in museums
1: Mm. and she's
2: just like Oh it was just advertising it's just yeah. like it's like and yeah. it is this is not wrong but it's just the way that she rec- she contextualizes it is always quite amusing
1: it's oh i remember this fad it's i remember <laughs> when that was popular yeah. yeah and like she talks about the 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 various rulers in like a very informal ways it's like oh I I remember like the emperor he he was my good friend
2: I also really like the joke with Yord who's the yeah uh, uh, the Osaka elf maid Mm -hmm. shrine maid that they've just been playing noughts and crosses for 200 years (laughs) <laughs> that really, that really made me laugh. I don't know what was so funny about that, but it is, it's, that... It's, it's 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 the perfect
1: child thing because as a kid you you think oh knots and crosses is is does actually matters how I play this and then then <laughs> those two have still got this thing for two hundred years because they only see each other every now and then so they've never really yeah. e- had a chance to to figure out strategies they just, just play the same game and then forget all about it and then Koito comes in and just goes. Do you know there's a way you can always win? And they're like, what?
2: Yeah. Well, it's more like, yeah. There's a way that you can, like, you'll always... Never lose. Yeah, you can never lose. It's very funny. Uh, Yeah, I I agree. Um, It is cheap. But also... It's got the best open, best song of the season.
1: It does have a very catchy op- opening. It has, and it's, it's probably the one which has grown on me the most over the the season. Mm. Um, some of the others were, were absolute bangers, whereas this is just like a, a proper earworm, which, it's after a couple of uh, repetitions, just lodged itself in there, and it's just like, and I'm yeah. like, no,
2: but yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good,
1: it's, it's banging. Anyway. And it has a, a quite a nice uh, AMV for its uh, uh, official video as well. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, that's why they didn't skimp out on the budget.
1: Indeed, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That, that feeling, where, uh, indeed, the feeling when uh, the AMV for a song is better than production than the show. <laughs>
2: but, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, moving on to a show that has a lot of AMV and a lot of good, good production. Auto Master Cinderella Girls U One Four Nine. Uh I thought
1: you were going somewhere else, but go.
2: <laughs> I I really uh well I really enjoyed Idolmaster Cinderella Girls U149 to the point where I think uh and despite me arguing with Eugenax, Max, um, I think it's better than the original Idolmaster series too. Um I really enjoy the feeling of genuine underdogs that this little group of um children idols have to work together to become Sorry. um no i mean it is problematic you, like, <laughs> every you time, say time you it say like it that... i just
0: i feel like it's a parody of what people think anime and especially idol shows are about i take yeah. your word for it that it's that's actually like cute and funny and i'm a big like chibi squad person myself but every time you say child idols i hear child soldiers well,
2: yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it plays into it. it that that plays into it as well like they are a they are a group of kids, and they are not respected <laughs> by the production studio as well. The producer has to fight tooth and nail to get any anywhere with them, and um, it's genuinely got a nice arc where they do the thing that all idol shows do, where every episode is an episode about one of the characters, and then focuses on one character like the the last one was Alice who is was is the most popular idol in the whole running um but she get her own she got her own like emotional arc heavier than the other two and now it's going to end with a big old big old group group together where they do a lovely little store like lovely little live show and I'm excited for the last episode um but I feel that production is incredible. Um, so there's so many nice little flourishes and touches for the fans. Every time they introduce, they they feel like every episode they wheel out a more seasoned, more favorable um, idol from the cut from the Idol Master franchise. So one episode has Sugarheart and um, Usamine, One episode has Feder- Federica and the rest of the Lips team, which includes Mika and a bunch of others. Um, so, so are they
1: they almost like mentors to the younger ones? Do, do you have like a connection between one of the older idols in each of the little stories, or, or is it more random than that?
2: Yeah, it it really does feel a bit more random than that. Okay, it, enough. It's like, who's coming on this time? Uh, there's there's no logic behind who who's there, apart from they're there and you just love them. Um, They do. And they all treat them like mentors. You know, they all treat them like, like kids who are wanting to be their best, but they respect them and like, and look after them and and want, wish them to do well. Uh, Mm. There are some really wishy-washy episodes, like when someone spills coffee over a bunch of dresses and then they remake the dresses in the space of what feels like two hours which feels like bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would raise my eyes to that too. Uh, but that's her the power ca- of teamwork. That's the power <laughs> of teamwork and power of that, that girl is a seamstress. I'm not going to get too into it, but the video game interactions with the show is really nice too. There's always, there's a lot of like, um, a lot of the times when the show had an episode or a theming, they would also have, the the game would also reflect that, which is very cool. Need um, your synergy. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but we're not here for that. The show itself is quite good. I enjoy the fact that they're underdogs. I enjoy the fact that they feel like they are. Like the producer, especially, is spent a lot of time just typing at night because he's trying to. He he really cares for the for the idols that squad. yeah the, yeah. The, yeah the kids that he's looking after and he wants them to do well and he wants as well as himself to do well. Like the producer has so much character in this series more than the other one, and I think that carries it. On top of the girls just being cute girls doing cute things, but because they're kids, it's kind of like the you know, non non biori like dumb kids say cute things sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Um and- <laughs> Is that what they have it? Is that what it's called in the UK? Not kids say the darndest things. Uh what these what these kids are <laughs> kinda cute sometimes. <laughs> these wee and they these, say these nippers <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: these wee tarts <laughs> got a mouth on them
2: um, yeah it, it it was great I liked it I really liked it and even the questionable character that I was worried at uh, Risa who's like the one who insists that everyone that everyone's his pup, her papa and like she just wants to be sexy she actually comes out really well like Her episode's really sweet. You see how she reacts to her, like her family and it it works. It's endearing. Like every show episode is endearing. Every episode makes you want to root for the idol that they are trying to show. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than the original idol master Cinderella girls, because there's a hundred percent less Miku and Miku is insufferable. (laughs) Um, And that was the problem with these Cinderella girls. It, 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 like, the original Cinderella Girls had such a mix of characters. And and so few... Like, the core three of, like, Mio, uh, Rin, and Uso, uh, Uzuki were really good. But everybody else was really fucking irritating, even ones I now... I like. And to the point where I was like, I just don't care. And then even then, like, they fell into the same, like, trope anime character settings... That I fucking couldn't stand. Like Uzuki, just just training, just training for three episodes because she felt inadequate, and then like that wasn't addressed. And I, <laughs> no I, payoff. <laughs> there was no. The payoff was that everyone like had a felt like a fucking like convention around. Her. <laughs> um, mm. And there's a similar. There's a similar thing with this one, sure. Like the they they don't get any. They but it feels like it's a comfort, like I said a place of of lesser appreciation of 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 trying to make themselves a thing as opposed to they're already a thing and now they're just more of that thing it it feels like you know no one gives them the time of day so they just make a live event they stream it online and it works and it gets them and yeah like it's a bit trope but sure it it works better for that series i really enjoy it i think it was really good and uh if there's a season two uh, i fucking can't wait Mm. good stuff
1: it's, it's, it's interesting that that's a sci Games uh, production, and like me and John have talked in the past like how whatever they do, they just from Princess Connect to the um, the work they did on the the Bahamut stuff, and
2: and, and U- Uma Musume,
1: yeah, like they they have they are reliably high quality production throughout, and yeah, it's. Yeah. It's uh, the the director did Gamers and I think think was a, a you and G- Jonathan back in the day.
2: Yeah, uh, I like I like Gamers a lot. Yeah, it's, it's got good, it's got good, and like yeah, the production is solid. Like fuck me, the, the I think people forget how ropey the first two season, <laughs> the first season especially of Idol Master Cinderella Girls was. It was fucking atrocious. So yeah, um, that had a troubled production even before COVID. Just is <laughs> always a good sign. <laughs> uh,
1: uh-huh. The before times where things were still <laughs> yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where
0: people weren't expecting Back- <laughs> it. <laughs> well, speaking of a show that has good side stories fleshing out of each of the characters and doesn't make you feel like it's a massive waste of time with no character development. not Which have- is not
2: U149. That is... I no, 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 no! I'm talking <laughs> about like
0: the opposite of you on for nine, which is uh, God's explosion on this, or like what an explosion on this wonderful world. I'm never going to be able to remember it. The mm. Konosuba spinoff. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. But um, A different I do not.
2: That was bad.
0: <laughs> yes. Speaking of spinoffs that are like, oh, look at this big ensemble. Maybe we'll have an episode about each character. No, Konosuba. Kono-Kono-Splosion never did that. Um, <laughs> no, the first half of the show is just Megamin going to school and being a massive dick to every single person in her life. And then she heads off into the world with her best friend slash enemy slash should have been the real protagonist of the spinoff union trailing. There are a couple of funny episodes. I still like the one where they got attacked by gargoyles that they'd made themselves because they thought they looked cool. And <laughs> they're like, oh, no, they're actually really powerful. Um, I, I liked at the end how the big guy they fought um, genuinely just liked the Crimson Demons and was like, I've got no beef with y'all. You could just hand over the demon. Uh, and- and stuff. There's a lot, there's like individual funny moments, yeah. mm-hmm. but God, Megumin does not work well outside of an ensemble where she is the unreasonable one. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. Uh, it's just, I, I really, I wish I could like, yeah, I j- just the simple fact that a lot of what the jokes are, are flatly that Megumin is being a dick or being unreasonable and doesn't acknowledge that and in a written form where there could be a narration that would lampshade that that's one thing but in li- in um, a like audiovisual visual medium where we just have to have Union be like hey this is being unreasonable and then Megaman's like shut your fucking face like it's it just squanders all the goodwill I have with her mm. and in the last few episodes literally having Kazuma and Aqua in the background like having adventures while I have to deal with with Union partnering up with the, like, weird, creepy Axis church again. Like, this is someone who repeatedly ditches her friends but will gladly pal around with, like, super rapey vibes religious fanatics because the plot just wants her to it's it's such an odd decision and it makes me actually kind of trepidatious about the third season of konosuba that actually got announced but then again this is a a different studio no, albeit uh, with some of the same staff it's gonna be I thought it was.
1: yes they are a different studio but guess
0: which studio is doing the third season oh really okay yep. well then then yes i feel justified <laughs> uh in being it just i i wish i i did a write-up and i, I don't think i really got got anywhere with it I was really trying to to figure out and all I could think of was I feel it's not necessarily a good critique of art or media to be like here's how it would have been better Um, because (laughs) honestly you just kind of have to approach a work how it is and not try to like treat it as a fixer upper house but the fact that we had all these wacky students in her class and yet most most of the show was about following around the character we knew best and just seeing how she used to be when she was even younger and even more arrogant and even more conceited and delusional and just, I don't know. And trying to constantly like be like, Oh, Megumin's so smart. It's like, no, Megumin is, is a delusional idiot. She Mm -hmm. refuses to learn a spell that does not make her pass out after a single casting. And she openly, picked the most dysfunctional and useless school of offensive magic like the way that the show just keeps trying to be like oh Megumin's really complicated and like actually she has great reasons for all the stupid shit she does I don't need Megumin lore I would much rather have like one episode about each weird crimson demon and then I don't know just something that wasn't this it was it was the safest and least interesting version of of a prequel Um, and also just to like (sighs) I thought Megumin learned explosion magic because she really likes explosions. To find out that she had, like, a sympathetic backstory is kind of like learning that Darkness's backstory is that she got spanked a lot as a child and that's why she became a tank in a, <laughs> in a, in a fantasy party. Like, I don't need a backstory for why Megumin's a delusional idiot. And I don't know why, I, I'm considering how f- flat a lot of the jokes fell for me, I don't really know why we had to hang out with her and her infinitely more reasonable friend who is a saint but (laughs) never has anything nice happen Mm. to her because she's not the main character i I will say that i the
1: one the one of the episodes i did enjoy is one of the ones you you criticized which is uh when she's hangs around with uh cecily the the priestess because as admittedly she's a terrible trope but the reason you need a terrible Terrible person is because you have to have someone equally terrible with Megamin, and, yeah. and and that's, that's and,
0: fair. That's and, when fair when they're, and when the and
1: when like you, she can't be a sympathetic uh, character, she has to be equally trash, equally as bad. And Cecily is terrible um, in so many ways. And like they try and give in the in the in the final episode, they try and give her a little redemptive moment. And it's like she she's blessing Megamin as she as she goes into to battle. And she's like, <laughs> I am a priestess after all, and and. Let's, no she's a scumbag that's that's what she is number one you shouldn't no pretensions to to any of this but the one other thing is like the, the whole plot revolves around uh megumin's cat uh chomsky uh, uh who is like just this little demon kitty i thought it was cholonosky is that
2: a nice name? nope chomsky chomsky okay maybe i've misremembered <laughs> And Sorry,
1: the all the all these demons are looking for because they think uh, this is this is our our a sort of colleague or or boss uh, who's who's mm-hmm. been transformed into this uh, thing, and that's the same same woman who Megumin asks to grant her wish, and they all, all uh-huh. they're all convinced that this this cat's her, and like the the little th- thing we get get glimpses of of a couple of times is during the thing is like that's not her there is she's walking around separately from that cat as well so the the, this Mm -hmm. whole main plot they've set up of the of the this this being a a demon lord as a cat which megamins convinced herself of now and because of how they're all they're doing is completely wrong it is just like this this familiar that that this uh very powerful demon has given her as kind of like thanks for in that initial exchange it's it's not her and then so so she's she's completely delusional about how powerful her cat is which is 100 percent in character and so i I kind of enjoyed that as as like the quiet quiet background joke of the whole thing like
0: yeah i wish there was more stuff like that though like like the the vast majority of the of the of the show is is dominated by megumin treating union like crap and Mm -hmm. union saving the day but then megumin really saving the day because we all know who the main character is and i would like more of megumin's delusions making her waltz in the middle of this demonic plot that no one really knows knows what's going on i would like her hanging out with scumbags like as as uh evirus said on karma burn like having too much time around union like shoves in your face that she's just a nice normal person and doesn't (laughs) as opposed to cosmo who is who is normal but an idiot and a scumbag and therefore (laughs) like bad stuff happening to him like union is not creepy she's not mean she just has a bit of trouble being honest about her feelings towards her best friend but that friend is completely delusional and has barely any awareness of of the relationship that you uh, it's just it's so it focused on the wrong things for me and i do think that that wrapping up Megaman in some like absurd story like the movie does um would have been a better use of our time um or even just more time exploring crimson demon village and like other delusions but we get all the characters a- introduced and then most of them never have another moment on screen for the rest of the show, which is wild when you watch the OP and like, there's just, it's it's all about her classmates who disappear completely from the, from the anime after episode six, she leaves the village and never comes back. And this and yet the OP is like, remember these characters, remember all these characters, they're very important. No, they're not.
1: (laughs) I I think it it does need to come with the the warning, like, this is just not that funny. Like, yeah.
2: But I don't, I don't think it is trying to, I don't think it's trying to be funny. I I know.
1: Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Trying
2: yeah. to be more heartfelt, <laughs> and I got the impression that it's it's not Konosuba, very actively trying not to be Konosuba. Um, for Konosuba three, I've just had a little search. So whilst the animation <laughs> production studio is Drive, who also did this season, mm-hmm. the chief director, the director, and the series composition have been the same for every Konosuba joint.
1: Okay, so, so they've
2: actively made a decision to not make this series so crazy. Um, it's not worked, but I don't think that should I I hope that gives instills some faith into
0: yeah, everyone we'll that
2: Konosuba 3 will be good
0: because I think it will.
2: The only difference is, is the animation production studio.
0: I I just the misjudgment of picking one of the like weirdest and most over the top parts of Konosuba's universe which is an entire village full of incredibly powerful chuni mages. And then being like, this is the one we're gonna where we're gonna really like dial down the comedy and dial up the heartfelt, uh, dial up the heart the heartfelt shit. I don't know. I feel like I can criticize this too vigorously because mostly it was just boring and not particularly funny, yeah. and it made me dislike Megumin because I, I found out that before she met Kazuma, she wasn't a very nice person. In fact, she was Absolutely. flagrantly cruel most of the time, <laughs> yeah. and it's just kind of weird. Because I liked Megumin was probably I would think like that had the best heart of all the characters if you were to ask me after the end of the mm. second season of the main thing and think like, oh no apparently from birth up until 14 years old she was just just the most arrogant snide shit. little shit <laughs> and then she met a bigger group of scumbags and <laughs> and was like oh hey i can be the good person in this group it's the
2: scumbag
0: <laughs> you know not the scumbag yes. <laughs> That's fair. Um well speaking of scumbags, can we do anything with that? <laughs> uh, we c <could>, maybe. <laughs> Sounds like no.
1: Sounds like no.
2: Speaking of scumbags, uh We can we, we can
1: go to Scums Wish and from there to no. Oshinoko. We made it. We made it.
2: I guess this will be our first of two trigger warnings yeah. when we discuss suicide in this.
1: Discussion of suicide starts at 30 minutes and 53 seconds. Skip to 40 minutes and 39 seconds for the end.
2: We are, it's worth mentioning also that we are an episode away from the series finishing. Yeah, we have a couple of those
0: this time. Just yeah. Just because of the new schedule.
2: Well, and, and a lot of it is also um, COVID still affecting things. Um, So some of them have taken like a week off and done like a recap Mm -hmm. episode, which they did do in this case. Yeah. I I still think Oshinoko is great. So another story is that uh, an idol gives birth to two children, uh, two twins, uh, Aqua and Ruby, but they have both got previous lives that they remember. One, uh, Aqua's being a doctor and then Ruby being a terminal patient who uh, dies wishes she had another chance in life, a better chance in life than the first episode. As we've mentioned before, I gets murdered, and then the show follows both Aqua and Ruby. Aqua trying to find the killer, Ruby trying to be an idol again and live her life. I I enjoy it that you you basically have, um, you basically have like two stories, and, and they're both die dichotomies of each other so ruby is trying to live her best life trying to live a new life that she couldn't live before because of her illnesses and her terminal illness and not being able to move now she's got this freedom she's got this dance she's got the ability to dance and sing um she wants to become a person that i wants her to be and i think that's really lovely and then you also have the other side in which you've got aqua who lives in the past he is obsessed with I, obsessed with I's backstory, trying to find out who this person is who killed her, um, and also who set the 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 killer up to let her know, them know where she was. It, you have these two stories, and I think they're very interesting, and I really enjoy it. You have like the darkness, and then you have the light, and they nicely
1: oppose each other. In fairness to Aqua, he he was killed by the same person, so. <laughs> and that which is another thing yeah yeah you're allowed <laughs> and, to be a bit bitter about that i think
2: for <laughs> sure and and it's interesting like this is a thing that is is briefly mentioned but um he doesn't his body is never found like he, the uh, the doctor's body is never found it's just disappeared he's just gone missing um so that is yeah another another interesting like thing to the mystery and it's good you have a mystery side and then you have like cute idol stuff really interesting deep dive onto production on cv shows and idol show and being an idol and there's been a lot of research in the way that idols are produced and the way that entertainment is produced in japan Japan, which i find very interesting and then i think we should briefly talk about the uh episode
1: Uh, i think it's six Discussion of suicide starts now. Skip to 40 minutes and 39 seconds for the end.
2: Yeah, so Aqua gets into a reality TV show, which then one of the characters... Akane? Akane, thank you. Mm-hmm. Akane.
1: Yeah, the the episode title is Ego Surfing, and, it's, and it very much deals with the idea of don't read your own press, because along with the ups comes some fake very low downs yeah
2: and she's basically flamed online for a very long time and she is in her own head and uh she then tries to kill herself which um aquamarine then stops there is a redemption arc of such uh yeah. that is i thought was very nicely done i thought it was a very adult like a very like the darkness that Akane feels while she's being flamed online, I felt that I could feel, and I felt was really heavy hitting. And then I felt that the the redemption arc of that was very sweet as well. She the the whole production studio. Well, the, the 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 actors in the in the studio made a video showing the behind the scenes stuff of especially a. a a consoling hug between two of the characters to make it obvious that they are not that they are playing to type as opposed to being the actual people they are, which can be convoluted in a reality TV show, the idea that there is a person and then there is the actor or the, yeah. the And there's the framing TV. and the yeah. direction.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think I agree with you that the follow-up episode, uh episode seven was very good in uh coming in on how you can help someone recover from a traumatic experience and and how how solidarity in between people in a small industry is something which is has huge value in just how just help knowing what other people are going through and and showing that support for each other but i have some problems with episode six because I feel it took a very serious and distressing situation, and it felt too like it was too willing to play it up for melodrama. It's it the mm. finale is as as Andy says, um, Aqua uh, saving Akane, uh, but it's it's done in the most literal possible thing that she walks onto a bridge and is about to jump off and he grabs her and saves her it's a very overdramatic i know you you can't expect every entertainment show to be like okay this is how you can help someone who's going through these things but the the way she is saved is a way that very few people get to be saved and yeah. what it does after that is is about showing how you can be supportive to someone who's been through these traumas is excellent, but mm. I I feel like it wanted its cake and eating it, and I I, I that made me feel a bit um a bit uncertain about how uh, if it felt a bit off to me, and what I f- found out, out about afterwards is there's some controversy over similarities intentional or not between the the plots of these episodes and a a real incident which took place Mm.
2: hannah Uh, kimura you're talking about yeah for those who aren't aware uh, a, a female reality star on a show called terrace house which was pretty popular has the same arc basically she she got flamed online eternally for her for her appearance on Terra's House, to the point where she, um, she, yeah, she committed suicide, and unfortunately didn't have an aqua to save mm. her. Um, it is, it is sad. I mean, what, what is your feelings on the the matter of the Hannah Kimura connection, as it were?
1: Because I'm not familiar with the original in- incident. I, it's hard. It, it. All I can do is, is feel immense sympathy for her mother, who's come, mm. come out and said. I feel like whether you were, she's, she's like, she said that uh, stories about young people dealing with suicide are important to be told. But she also said that some specifics of this telling were mentioned to her as being exactly the same, like exactly the same messages which were sent to her daughter. And, like, that can be pure coincidence or it can be someone thinking, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to try and be authentic and it not being realised, that not being tracked further up the directorial chain. But nevertheless, that if if that's correct, that, that feels very yuck, even if it's a mistake, even if it's... I still yeah. think that the show's subsequent episode shows that it isn't deaf to the idea that people who go through these sort of thoughts need um, support and empathy but that sour note i don't think you can wholly remove it will always be there
2: Hmm. yeah i i agree it is sad that this person took her life and this show reflects that as well i think what is actually sadder than that is her coming out saying this why am i being forced to relive the trauma that i've already relived and then people then flaming her online mm. and that's the tragedy more yeah, than anything the fact much. that they they haven't even taken the lesson that oshinoko is trying to give you it's yeah yeah I... two camps i feel that if that is true I'll, it's going to be impossible to find out but yeah. like if i would be interested to know which ones they were cuz there were also some very generic like mm. blaming
1: on those messages yeah.
2: not to not to give yeah
1: as i say it can be intent unintentional um,
2: and uh the 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 authors come out and said Terrace house was not anywhere near my like i did i was not referencing hana kimura when i wrote this arc however the manga started around the time that Terrace house ended so there's no way that it wouldn't have somehow been residing in the back of his mind. Yeah. Also, like, they said that there's a lot of people that commit suicide after appearing in reality TV shows. And if it's not Hanakimura this time, it will be someone else next time. And I'm not saying that that excuses it. I'm just saying that that is just the way of the world. Um, The talk of them having... Uh, psychological help and psychological, um, not treatment, what we're talking about? Support, thank you, is what people need if they feel like they are being portrayed as the bad guy. And that is not going to be there, unfortunately, in Japanese entertainment because their opinion on mental health is incredibly low. The, the, The other message of, like, wear an armor, don't be yourself. Make sure that there's always a part of you that isn't, in the character that's on screen is a fair thing to put out there. It's a, it's a good message for those who want to be in reality TV, but it doesn't always help. And it feels like it's a bit of a, well, it's, it's many messages mixed up in a lot mm-hmm. of stuff, but I don't, I don't feel it. It didn't sour it enough for me to not enjoy it. No, and I've not noticed. to like, yeah, like sure. It's melodrama, but it's the kind of show that, that benef- that is wrapped up in melodrama. Yeah. So I gave it. I I gave it that push. You know. Mm-hmm. It would be. It's not a show focused on teenage suicide. It's a show focused on idols and the idol industry. Um. So I I give the saving of Akané a pass. Uh. In the overall scheme of things. Plus, it was interesting to see a transformation into like pseudo I. That was a very weird and interesting bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, their follow like part of the um, sort of resolution for that arc is her being portrayed as a very talented actress who, whose mm. reaction to all this trauma is to completely submerge herself in a, a character and uh, remove herself...
2: Entirely. As, yeah, to yeah. the
1: extent that... Aqua is sort of slightly freaked out at how she's reflecting. Um, uh, I, who's who, who he basically instructs her as, like, yeah, this this person was able to deal with uh, these these t- tensions. Um, well, um, it's actually
2: Memcho who who is like, oh, like I from B komachi and he's like, yeah. Which then deals into why why Memcho knows about uh, an idol that was from a previous generation, mm. because she is like twenty five, and I thought that
1: was really funny. <laughs> yeah, the the cat eared a streamer girl, turns out to be <laughs> ten years older than everyone else. It's yeah, just...
2: <laughs> no, uh, five years older. Uh, uh, no eight, eight years was 16
1: eight. she's 25 so nine nine you got oh, me nine. Andy nine years difference <laughs> it's
2: it's it's a good it's a good bit when that real like, when that happens uh because yeah the, you you then have this darkness and then there you have a lightness where you follow ruby and sort of her um trying to become an idol um I and it, it works I feel I feel it's not like if we're talking the thing that I kind of want to put it compare it towards something like Spy Family. A Spy Family's got too many things going on at once. Whilst this is just enough stuff going on that it knows how to balance those two sides well. While Spy Family, all of our complaints was like, we're not seeing enough of Johanne. Mm. We're not seeing enough of, like, we've seen too much of the kid. We've seen too much of the dad. Like, that was, I feel, our, always, our feedback from like every episode. Whilst this, yeah. I'm like... It it feels like safe production, and also as a little thing, the production's pretty solid. They're really, really solid. I really like the way that they change the animation style and the the visuals at key moments in the story, um, and it really like hammers home those events as well. Yeah, they use their cuts uh,
1: well. They they, as you say, hmm. it's it's not always the most uh, beautiful animation throughout, but when then they need to make something hits that they they do find a way to make it work i i, I do think like ruby and aquamarine's uh, stories is basically held together by canna because she's she's yes. uh, this this <laughs> this wonderful <Salt-licking> mi- lady <laughs> yeah she she's like uh, this wonderful mix of cynical and still wants to dream like this yeah. she's just a ex- mix
2: of them both in yeah a way like she's been the child actor and then she's also been a, a bit of a shit once she's growing up because she's had a higher value of herself, and so mm. yeah, she's been a child actor, but then also been shunned by the entertainment industry, and now is trying to come back. And it
1: yeah, yeah. And she's and she's just caustic, and that's always amusing to watch.
2: Um, anyway, moving on to something that is more light-hearted, uh, yeah. but also set in a school, Skip and Loafer. Mm-hmm. Now I I kind of dismissed this out of hand, and I'm glad that I didn't, and I'm glad that you told me, Duncan, to watch it because uh, I really enjoyed Skip and Loafer throughout. Uh, yeah. It's it's really quite an adorable little show. It's about a girl called Mitsumi who comes from the sit from the village, the countryside, moves into Tokyo, and then it's it's basically her school life that she that it the story revolves around and her sort of romance slash burgeoning friendship of sosuke who is the other main the male interest yeah um but for me i think the real the real otp uh is is yuzuki and makoto makoto being this like nerdy girl and then yuzuki being this like really beautiful sort of like slightly gyaru-esque character And they have this really sweet exchange between Makoto and Yuzuki. Yuzuki being like, is she being offish to me? Like, what have I done wrong? And then Makoto just sending her messages being like, I find it hard to talk to people like you, but I want to know you more. So please accept my weirdness and like, I want to hang out. And then since that, like they are always together and it's really fucking sweet and really endearing. And I just want to, I want to see them in their interactions more than anything else. But also the main cast is really good. It's just sweet. It's just a sweet hearted show that's played well, done well. And there isn't a romantic climax, but I didn't care if it wasn't a romantic climax. Yeah. I don't think the show is trying to be a romantic climax type show. It's just trying to say, like, to show how friendships in high schools can blossom and how that is a very important time and formative time in people's lives. And it's not trying to be anything else.
1: It just does it very well. I enjoyed it a lot as well. I think it was in its own way, maybe not quite as show off as some of the other beautiful all shows this season, but just a generally a incredibly accomplished and pleasant to look at show like just such soft lines and such, uh, Well designed characters like Mm. I I I enjoyed how um, Mitsumi is just a a, a S tier lead like she's just amazing I I uh, like we stand Mitsumi she she she's just (laughs) she's just absolutely great just as
2: her little her little like purse lipped like V yeah yeah (laughs) uh, whenever she gets embarrassed or realise she's cocked something up I think is absolutely adorable and really and I really like. I, I, I don't think she's my favorite in the cast like I said the makuta the, the Gadu nerd combo is the best uh, and especially like the again go back like the, the school festival where Yuzuki is also an artist and then makoto's like really getting into the art f- to impress her yeah. like school friends like yeah there's some really nice stuff that goes on through that show
1: yeah they they, they do some good jo- they do a good job of um s- people becoming friends who you wouldn't expect to become friends like mm-hmm. uh um like mitsumi makes a connection with uh, a particularly hard-working member of the student council yeah, who has been like uh, the vi- yeah, who's like the uh, the vice president of before the, the 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 old president's about to leave, and she, and uh, she's assuming she's gonna basically inherit the position when when he does, and instead the ex captain of the football team runs and trounces her. Yeah, just snipes <laughs> her. And... and I I really enjoy he her sort of beginning to to understand his his value in sort of the uh making the stuff of work that uh he's a people person he's got gr- very good communication skills and so she begins to learn like sometimes it's it's bet- better to be nice than it is to be right like it, sometimes you just have to do the the human thing rather than the 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 technical thing and like the other the other one is the ext- early on we're introduced to Mika who is sort of set out as a bit of a yeah, a bit of a not very nice person. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. She she sort of is only interested in herself and is using Mitsumi as a crutch to get closer to Sosuke. Yeah,
1: yeah. And we eventually we end up with this meeting of her and uh, Mitsumi's uh, auntie uh, now, who is is who Mitsumi is staying with in yeah. Tokyo and and is transgender. Anmi has an extremely bad reputation when it comes to uh, transgender people, and with good reason. And now is just a just a person. She's it, she, like the sweetest little thing. Is just like Mitsumi has her friends over for a sleepover. She's just like, just make sure they know that I I used to used to be a biological man because it would make me uncomfortable if if they found out and reacted badly. Just mm-hmm. and and she's just like this is. a I want want people to know this p- part of my past and to acknowledge that I'm I'm past it now. And it's just it was just like really nicely handled. And she actually recognizes something of herself in in Mika. Like she recognizes this this need to reinvent herself. Like that Mika Mika's um, actions have always been because she was unhappy with who she was and it comes to her head that she's leaving this sleepover because she doesn't want to let herself get too close to uh, her, the friends and to, and it's just like, you you just need to relax and just be recognised that these people do value you. Mm. You're not putting on a, fr- a front they are fooled by, they just like who you are. You've got a chance to make friends like that, take it. And that was just like a lovely little message and I... Yeah. I I, I like I like that you didn't necessarily know when a, a character was going to step from the background to the foreground in terms of uh, the narrative, and it finished off the season with um, backstory of uh, Sosuke, which is another child idol uh, yeah, stuff. Weirdly I, enough,
2: I I was a bit—I'm not to say I'm annoyed, but I—I I guess, I guess not everyone can have a perfect path, but this like strange. Yeah checkered pass that Sosuke had with R- Lidika who's a famous famous like model and idol now or like in that current era of yeah, the story a- and how Lidika uses him as sort of like a crutch because they got into they did a bad thing when they were kids and she blames Sosuke entirely for that one bad moment and Sosuke then blames him her Blames himself and then uses it as a reason why he can't get close to anyone, which again is it feels like really trope again. I feel like Mm. for this kind of character, but it wasn't, it was, it worked and it resolved itself in a very cute, adorable Mm -hmm. way with Mitsumi like sort of getting in the way and being like an anteater. Uh, and it was, it was very (laughs) nicely done. And you then see a like a little shot of Ridika like crying in a car, being like, I just wanted to. Just want you to be with me more, like to be friends with me, uh, and yeah, it, it was nice. I just, I just, I felt I didn't really need it, and it felt like it, it was a bit left field for what the show was previously trying to be about. Um,
1: yeah, it, it, it did, did, did feel like it came out of nowhere. Yeah, and...
2: similar to the mother as well. Like when the mum, like there was a moment where it felt that the mum went to the school to see the show, but then Didika scared her away basically. And like bullied her away from coming to see his son, her son perform. And it felt that was like an un, an unresolved moment there. Um, but again, not everything has to be perfect. Not everything has to be resolved uh, nicely. Um, but it, it was just like, a it was just a, I guess it was like a bit it was just a bit of drama that was
1: yeah <laughs> I, I, I i i will 100 percent stick with uh, my original dis- uh, saying is that this was just light that i despite being notionally a romance, I never felt like that was the full, uh, full focus. It was more mm. about just low key interaction between the cast. And that was just refreshing. Yeah. Um, I also can't see them
2: working as a couple Mitsumi and Sorsgo. <laughs> like, it just, yeah. I, like it, they're just too chalk and cheese, which maybe would work, but I, yeah. I, 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 I like, like we said, I, I don't think that is the crux or the interesting thing that the show wants to talk about. Um, it just wants to be
1: cute. Shall I uh uh move on to a show which I enjoyed, but you dropped after two episodes, which is uh <laughs> my love story with oh, you, Yamada Conat's level 1999.
2: Yeah. I hated this. It was fucking dull. And it and I watched two episodes and I felt like my I, I felt I, I felt that there, there was because like we talk about Skip and Lofa like you watch Skip and Lofa and Skip and is beautiful. It's got this really lovely visual style and design palette. and then you watched Yamada and it's so dull and basic and and run of the mill. and I and then <laughs> and then the story went at a snail's pace fucking nowhere and I despised the two episodes that I watched and to the point that I kind of wanted it back. And then I was like, I'm not going to watch any more. But Duncan had lots of nice things to say about it. So you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's,
0: let's focus on the positive.
1: <laughs> I do think like there's a very fine line with is the sort of shows uh, that Skip and Loafer and Yamada is it, do you find traction in the characters? And if you don't, then uh, immediately it's going to uh, go away. And I, I think there's no doubt that Yamada is no Sosuke. Um, but it's not even that, but I... it's
2: like Yamada's this, this, like we talk about tropes and I feel that Skip and Loafer has tropes in characters, but then also has a lot more in those characters. Whilst like Yamada, the main girl just wants a hot boyfriend and, and Yamada doesn't want anything because he's an enigma. I don't even think he's that fucking hot. He's just a fucking nerd who doesn't want to say anything. And is just like, 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 doesn't care about anything apart from video games, and it's and it's like what what is the attraction here? There is I I can't believe these people. Like I can see Sosuke being an attractive person to 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 Mitsuki. I can't see anyone being attracted to Yamada.
1: That is my problem. I mean, <laughs> well, that's on, why on you. The others,
2: On top of but, lots of cause, others, cause, mostly that I didn't the, like. The, the thing show. is,
1: Andy, is that he's... You've got twelve episodes to tell you why she would be attracted to him, and I, I followed those, and they do set out why she would be attracted to him. But they hadn't in the first two episodes. But she, is... he,
2: she was, she was instantly attracted to him.
1: Well, no, she was instantly thought she he was hot. She wasn't instantly attracted to him. That's that's two different things. Except, like
0: you can um... th- think someone is hot, and you can not want to date them. Uh, I'll take your word for it. (laughs) I guess... I guess... I guess, yeah, you're... you're, I guess you have, like, a larger suite of attraction beyond just, like, finding someone physically attractive. Um, But he doesn't look physically attractive. He
2: he looks... He looks like... He looks like a fucking stick man with a bowl cut. Uh, He's not
0: interested. Stick man with a bowl cut. (laughs) Sounds like anime.
1: Yeah. Part of why I liked it is they did kind of explore him being emotionally distant him having trouble reading other people emotionally and that leading to him in turn shutting himself off from other people because he was afraid of saying the wrong thing which if you're someone who has trouble reading other people is definitely a mood you can relate to i do not think it was a compelling love story by any any means. Like, But I do think it did a couple of things very well. It did a really good job of just breaking down how people negotiate the boundaries of online friendships, switching to uh, flesh and blood friendships, how online communities act as a leveler between people who have very different... Uh, lives and very different um, social needs and how when you start hanging out really after having known each other for many years online, it can be suddenly that you're aware of of things about those people which you had absolutely no idea. And I think a love story is not a bad um, package to tell that in. I appreciated that it, that it started with Akane uh drunk after being dumped and then ended in the final episode with her being drunk and then helped home because she's part of a group and that this is that her being drunk is the moment that Yamada um she she basically has been meaning to tell Yamada she, she has feelings for him for a while and she ends up blurting it out and he's like, "Yeah, that's fine. We'll t- uh, thank you. I-, I feel that way too. We'll talk in the morning when you're not drunk." And <laughs> it was, it was just kind of like, "Yeah, that's that's, that's a, a very sweet, if not necessarily realistic, of how young people deal with it being drunk." <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and the animation is solid, but it's unspectacular. And if the characters, I like the character design of Akane and. Um, uh, Momoko and Runa and Yūkari, uh, the, all the, they've got very nice design for the the uh, ladies, but the the men are all just one bishy with the hair swapped, um, which occasionally happens, which is frustrating. Like that's the that that when you you fall prey to the the worst one of the worst tropes of anime, which is just the hair swap uh, character design yeah. then. You you know that it's it does ha- it needs to have other strengths. Um, yeah, but I, I know when, I
0: know whenever I uh, whenever I f- worry that I'm not paying enough attention to the art, and then I'm like, oh no, these are just the exact same design. But one of them has <laughs> spiky blue hair, and one of them has <laughs> flat red hair. It it can be kind of reassuring that you haven't like spontaneously lost your ability to appreciate anime art design.
2: Talking about then people who have an existing romantic interest in someone, uh, Gabby Maru from hell's paradise. I don't know whether you knew this, but he Not has really. a wife and I don't uh, think that's brought up enough times in the show that he has a wife <laughs> and that he loves her. Um, cause, uh, fuck me. You, you will remember it by the end of this series, uh, which I also really like, uh, <laughs> I just, I, I really like this show. Uh, wife guy. Yeah. The series. <laughs> it's, it starts off as like an interesting, like, sort of mystery slash, like, adventure type show about a ninja Gabimaru who finds himself, uh, like, sentenced to death, but then he is so strong that he defies death every single time, and then is set to with a bunch of other people as well as uh, his executioner. Um, to go to a an island to find the elixir of life um, and the island is full of fucked up monsters and like things that will kill you and like it's really weird and mysterious and interesting and I really, really like that stuff and that goes on for about seven, eight episodes and then it kind of finds the final enemy who's this immortal being and you find out that it's got a weakness and then it turns into like a shonen protagonist type mm, show yeah
1: it really did and
2: i don't i don't belittle it it is a shonen jump manga um but it was a, a bit of a bit of a sore point i guess because the setup and the premise and the world is so interesting the the backgrounds the 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 design is so gorgeous. The enemy design is gorgeous. Like, the use of colours, the use of flowers, the use of, like, wildlife is fantastic. And I love it. I love that stuff so fucking much. But then Mm. it is... And we've still got another episode to go, but I'm not holding up hope as to
1: how it ends. Yeah, they can't conclude it in that one episode. It's clearly going to be an adventure continues.
2: No, they will conclude it. There's no more. The manga's finished. There's no more of this show. It will conclude. Um, if if I, I, I can strongly feel it's going to conclude. Uh, there is nowhere else for the the manga's not very long either, for what it's worth. Um, but I, I mean, I could, I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I have a feeling that there's. What was that?
1: I feel like you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I... Let's see if it. If it uh, let's think. When are we publishing this? Well, can I cut in? Andy was wrong. <laughs> yeah, you probably, you probably could. <laughs> you probably could. It comes out.
2: It comes out like the next week. You can tell me whether I'm wrong or not.
1: But so okay. So why do you feel like it's the end? That's uh, a good question to ask. Because the manga's not got a very long publication. Okay, so it's merely, merely pre-knowledge that the manga is... You don't think it's, like, coming to a head or, like... I, I felt like, as you say, it starts out mysterious, as we don't know what's going on with this island, and then they sketch out, this is what's going on with the island. There's a special martial art, which is about yin and yang. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and breathing Some people use it.
2: And, and, and Hammond, and fucking yeah. every other Shonen jump. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> like, mystery... <laughs> It's it's Naruto, it's Hunter Hunter, mm. it's JoJo's Bizarre yeah. Adventure. Yeah, it doesn't
1: So is that why you feel like it's coming to a conclusion? Because the mystery's gone. It, yeah. and it has just become okay, who can use this power the best? And who's gonna win? And it's all the these um demigods they've been fighting throughout are just all essentially the same. You, the it's 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 yeah. a boss fight from a, a Dark Souls. You fight its first form, and then when you think you defeat that, it immediately turns I, into a bigger I, I've, scarier I've, I monster. I feel it's
2: more of a, a a boss fight from like Ninja Gaiden. I think that's a better <laughs> that's a better pull. Okay, because so it, it's it's got like because it's got levels. It's got power levels. You, you kill uh, one okay. thing, and then it transforms into another thing, and. And I, I feel it's coming to a head because they're going to just defeat them and then they're, gonna, they're gonna, like, there's nowhere else for this sh- story to go. There's not enough for another season at least. I can see there could be a final movie, but I don't think that'll oh, be very... Yeah,
0: that's, that's a possibility. There you go. I,
1: I, I, I think I, maybe you called it there. I can I, believe that. Certainly. I really Andy. don't
2: feel there is. I, I don't think there's a lot left of this story to tell. Um, we'll find out. But what we, the story that I have told, I have enjoyed... I enjoyed all the characters. I enjoy Gaby Maru. I enjoy Yuzu uh, Yuzuriha. Um, I enjoy like the the combination of like the brothers of Chobe and Zen. Uh, is it Zenza? Oh no, Toma Toma and Chobe. Like the brothers, like one is uh, like actually in the in this like order of bodyguards slash executioners. Yeah, it's basically infiltrated <coughs> it. And and like their story, and I really like the stories that come from all of the cast, I think it's really, really good. And I also feel that if it ends in the next episode, it will just be a really nice, like, 13-episode, like, story. Um, I don't care. Because this is the other thing. I don't care how... They, they've already announced... They've basically told you how to kill the, the gods. I don't care how they kill them. I'm I'm not interested in a
0: 30-minute fight scene. But do they do they know that Andy, or are they going <laughs> to give it to you because they think it's expected? I think they yeah. think it's
2: expected, but it, it could do it could do a ping pong. It could do a, you know like the ping pong. The final final tournament wasn't ever shown. It was just like here's how they survive.
1: Yeah, they're not that smart though. I, d- I don't get the impression <laughs> that, that that they have the guts or the, the smarts <laughs> to do that because uh, when I talk about another uh, shonen show this season, it's going to come abundantly clear that there's a distinct aversion to skipping anything. Um, yeah. I have a feeling oh, yeah.
2: I have a feeling that it's going to be a bumper episode.
1: I I don't know.
2: Yeah. I I really I really like Hell's Paradise. Um and I think uh it's it's a good old shonen uh and I'm yeah. It's it's up there top of my top top tier for this season.
0: Okay, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then we will go from hell to heaven with uh, *Tengoku Daimyako. and then a bunch of shonen stuff, <laughs> plus *Vinland Saga*. Is *Vinland Saga* shonen? I don't no, know.
2: *Vinland Saga* seinen. Um,
0: yeah. but... Can you imagine shonen *Vinland Saga*? <laughs> it would just be—it'd just be terrible. Okay. So that's just season one. That's the bad bits of season one. It's true. It's true. <laughs>
1: And we're back.
2: And we're going to we talk about Tengoku
1: Daimakyo. Or Heaven's Delusion, depending on whether you're what they wanted to call it or what Disney made them Heavenly. call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heavenly Delusion. I, I still maintain <laughs> Tengoku Daimakyo is the best one. It does have a nice ring anyway. to it. Uh, discussion of scenes, including elements of sexual assault, starts at 1 hour, 14 minutes and 58 seconds. It stops at 1 hour, 27 minutes and five seconds i do it's i do enjoy the title and i have very much enjoyed this show um yeah i think it's the only show from this season i'm probably gonna give a damn about in 10 years from now um this is <laughs> i if you watch one show this season it'll be oshinoko <laughs> it should be this in my opinion well, different people can disagree um, but Its production values are absolutely astounding. Um, Mm. I think we go back to the ill-fated Wonder Egg uh, for something with comparably excellent production values throughout. What?
2: Really? No. What would you... Where would you reach, then? Chainsaw Man. Yeah, I mean, Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw Man had solid production throughout, and this had also similarly beautiful, like, constantly well-realised characters that that are very... Like the the world, the the characters inhabit it feel really weird. And even though we're going to, I guess, gloss over episode ten, the Bald Town, that had a different uh, episode director, um, we don't because I mean, sure, we can go into it. But it, that that is the outstanding weird episode because it has a different episode director. Uh, but it actually, has like three key episode directors from reading it. Um, directed by. Ikarashikai, and then also the animators are uh, Yoshinari Ko, uh, Araki Ryo, and Takeuchi Tetsuya, who are like real vets. Mm. But it just feels so weird and different compared to the rest of the show, just because of the way the animation style changes. It feels kind of more like Furi Kuli, or like a Gainax show, rather than what Tengoku Daimakyo is trying to be.
1: I think Kai also... uh, uh his past in, in terms of like being a just extremely expressive key animator at places like Trigger is something which immediately came through in in the that episode. Yeah. I don't think you can argue that it it does feel very different from that the rest which is a far more restrained and on model look to it the the meticulousness of the environments and of the characters and their movement in particular was outstanding throughout Um, Mm. and I said back when we did our season uh, preview after the first couple of episodes that what sort of amazed me about this show was that it had this feeling of um impending dread throughout that i that's because you had these two stories of um Kirikou and Maru, who are these two uh, teenagers making their way through a post apocalyptic um landscape and the uh this school full of strange children. You had this juxtaposition of where these two stories occur in each other's timelines. Like is are they going on at the same time? Has is this disaster something they will both experience, or is one the events which are gonna to lead to this disaster? That is finally resolved in the the, the final episode that we, mm. we do get closure on part of that story, but part of what makes This good is that even though it answers one big question, it leaves a huge amount um, unanswered otherwise. And that this really works both as an arc in itself where we're told a complete story and as a setup for a wider uh, narrative where the other questions will be answered. And also, like, I think one of the big things about any show which has mysteries is that something like lost would just not know when to to reveal something it would just keep on keep on going just hide keep refusing to answer any questions and this had the Mm. the confidence to go this arc's over this question's answered that raises all sorts of other questions but it 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 definitively (coughs) answered like the timeline
2: yeah Timeline was different. And also, actually, I don't know whether you picked up on the subtle, subtler um, arc that you get as well with uh, Mimihime and uh, Shiro being uh, the doctor and the doctor Usumi and uh, the patient that she he is looking after. Yeah
1: and that's I that's that was... incredibly sad because mihimi Mi was just so good like she she just completely came into her own she was she was just this this character who was just like oh this is the background this is the girl who we think character design is just to clue us in a, a bit about something about these kids because she's got like dog ears basically um yeah. And so But and so we think she's just there as a background character who's just like, yeah, this is a little cl- clue. It's it's all about Tokyo and Kona. This this is the the key pair we have to know about because one of them looks a lot like Maru, and instead Mihimi M- steps up as like this very empathic character who cares about the other people in in the school and helps them get past some of the traumas which have been imposed on the, on them, and who is just this brave beyond her years kid and for the reveal of who she is and who shiro are to be just her taking a a button off her her uniform Mm. in one of the final scenes and handing it to shiro was just like yeah that's a gut punch yeah right and it's
2: and it's such a tiny thing that could be missed and absolutely Absolutely hits home, uh, and and I think the show is full of this. Uh, I I really like, I, I it is fantastic. Um, I think the thing that the one of the overarching other themes. It's interesting that you say despair because for me, I feel that a show at the end of the world, like a, a post apocalyptic show like this, can have a theme of despair. But for me, the overarching feeling I got was sort of hope. Uh, and you know rejuvenation, but mixed with some themes of 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 distrust and mistrust, mm. and, and and it is this sort of um, it is this. There's a the back that's like the first half, and then the back half. There's this very interesting sort of theme of like trust. Like, do you trust these people to give you the water? They they, they Try to find one hundred percent water, and it yeah. turns out it's sort of a bit of a. It was a. It was a. It was a ruse. It was a setup. Bait. Yeah. yeah. And and that sort of brought over this sort of the theming of trust um, of who you should trust and, mm. and who can you trust.
1: Discussion of scenes including sexual assault starts now and ends at the one hour twenty-seven minutes and five seconds mark.
2: Which then, I don't want to say nicely culminates, but it thematically culminates. Mm in uh kiruko finding the one of the people that she is looking for robin and then robin abusing her Mm. uh and there is a very hard ending where robin rapes kiruko and maru comes in and saves it and it is a very hard very hard episode to watch and one, it is one distressing thing, as well.
1: Yeah. One thing uh, 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 which I think w- episode, in episode three, we find out that part of the whole strange thing which is going on is that this is also in a way a body swap horror because Kiriko is actually her brother in her in her body. Yeah. Um, yeah. And part of the themes you talk about of mistrust is you can't, because it's introduced this thing that anyone can look like anyone else you there's no guarantee that because you recognize one character as having these traits that the next time you see them that appearance that those same traits are there and so when we meet robin again and he acts so monstrously we we have the same some of the same distress and confusion that Ki- kiriko goes through as well that is this who he's always been has he always been this mm. monster or has is this is this even him and you, you
2: i'd never think that she he felt that because because robin was saying that you are not you are not can't remember what the brothers called but you are just Kiruko who's who's misremembering things and got a bit of a mind switch going on and so she he is i felt that he wasn't thinking about robin i thought he was more focusing on himself and who he was as a person being more confused with his own body with his own mind what he remembers and he doesn't care about robin ultimately all he cares about is his sister and whether his feelings about him and his sister and whether the things that he experiences were real which again feels very much like survivor's guilt. It feels very much like she, he is, you know, he's trying to justify these horrible events that are happening to him. He didn't, he didn't care. He didn't question why Robin was doing these things. He more questioned himself over that.
1: But a recurring thing is just how keen uh, Kiriko is to to meet Robin again mm. to get these mm. questions answered, and. His reaction when he first meets her is horror, and we don't know why. Yeah, it's like she's like Robin, Robin. You know the the typical thing where he he she's running over, shouting his name, waving. He turns and he looks at her, and he's absolutely horrified. And then they, they have a, a, a talk, and she tells him what's or everything that's happened, and horrible things unwind from there. And he deliberately. Forces this psychological trauma on her, like deliberately goes, are you Kiriko or are you um, uh, Haruki?
2: Haruki. And so bad that we
1: forget then his name. Part of the whole thing Kiriko is going through is everyone calls them Kiriko. Everyone Mm. thinks of them as female, but they still are unsure about their gender. They're unsure about everything else. And like in this little city they visit just before this episode, that they have to write their gender down on Earth and sort of citizenship thing, and they don't—they leave it blank. They—they—they they, they don't feel like they want to make a, a choice either way, in one yeah. way or the other. And yeah. Robin forces that on them, and it's horrible and it it is it's horrible i think anime has even like anime has like this bad reputation for showing rape in a way that is plays up the sexual aspect and downplays the trauma and the uh way the horrors yeah yeah, the way it can affect someone and this this was horrible this was not playing up the other side this was all about the trauma she goes through or the trauma they go through um and the way there was it i think you bring up that they're eventually saved by maru but they're saved by maru in in an episode's time Half the yeah. way into an episode.
2: Well, they they insinuate it's been days.
1: Yeah, since. two two days so, since basically so, two, two nights. Yeah, and um, he goes there and he beats the crap out of Robin and very he, cathartic. It it's is. a very
2: it's a very nu- like for a catharsis to happen. Like it, it it was a very good cathartic moment.
1: But even then, Kirko doesn't want him to kill Robin and we don't know mm-hmm. if that's because she doesn't want Maru to have to take this killing upon himself because one thing we learn um, after that is they ha- have, Kyoko's made this decision that this photograph she's been carrying about of her and, uh, her and Robin, this is something she doesn't want in her life anymore. She tears it up and she just throws mm-hmm. it into a river and uh maru who has had a crush on kiriko does his best to make a, a like a a, a Another cheering confession up. Yeah. yeah and and it
2: was it was actually like a really nice scene mm. like, it was so heartfelt and the idea that Maru's was like i didn't i don't love you for you being a woman i love you for you being both of these people that are yeah. currently inside or just you. being
1: you basically yeah, and, and uh, I did still enjoy that. Her reaction to that is still the same. It's like <laughs> it's a, he, he like starts off the the confession with like if if you don't want to hear me out, just throw that rock oh, into the rock. river. Yeah, and and, it's and so, then yeah. he, he does it, and she's just <laughs> like <laughs> chuck the rock into the river, <laughs> and it's just like it. That was such a relief that moment mm. to see those two mm. find each finds the the joy in their relationship that they had had and that that we thought that trauma had took from them both for them to find each other again and that was just a great finish yeah i think there's something interesting in there so
2: why kiriko didn't want Mary to kill robin um i don't
1: i don't know what it is i never really thought about it i i figure it's It could be anything, and it—it could be a recognition that Mao's already traumatized by the fact he is the only person who seems to have a way of killing um, these monsters, which uh, come out of people, and that he he knows that these are people, and yet they are—he has to be—he is one of the few people who who can can kill them. Um, no, he
2: doesn't know that they're people.
1: No, they they find out midway through Andy.
2: No, they don't. We find out. They don't. They. Uh, oh shit! No, they do. You're yes. right. Apologies. Thank you.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that was this episode's Andy arguing about basic plot details with Duncan. Tune in next week when. Uh... <laughs> yeah,
2: you're, right. you're totally right. I'm an idiot. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a uh, one of the best scenes. Christ. Uh, I like
1: that uh, th- th- that was also that was also the dumbest scene. Uh, like that, th- they reveal a major <laughs> plot detail through him being seduced by a, a girl. An accident, like an accident. Oh no, t- that's
2: not the bit. That's not the bit. That was a weird bit. But I thought the the scene when he's like the the doctor comes in. Uh, uh, Usami comes in and explicitly tells them. But yeah, the, I guess there's a hint later on with Totori the the um, the hotel owner slash um I can't remember what, uh sex
1: worker yeah i mean yeah. that's the, that's what she, she she proudly says she is um yeah we good on honor so yeah they have i've been thoroughly grateful with the way that they have kept mysteries from us still yeah. and yet also answered other questions and i really really hope this gets the second season it deserves because it's been outstanding um i
2: would say i was just going to say on one on one quick thing about you saying um like the 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 trauma that happens because of the rape going back to this real quick and you said that it anime doesn't like to gloss on that a lot i felt that this show also he like Kuroko gets over the rape very quickly and like, he does, he's just like slaps himself on the face. He's like, there's no point dwelling on it. Better keep on going. And I was like, huh? Okay. I hope that that's not actually, I mean, I mean, it's like the last episode, last shot of the season, but I, or the series, but I would be upset if that is it for that traumatic experience. In their lives uh I would be upset, I think, if they never bring that up and just be like and like wave it off It's like that happened to me once, oh well,
0: Do you but know I what I, I mean
1: <laughs> everyone deals with these traumas in their own way, and we are literally in the day after, and as you say, like, like someone the person who Kiriko has. Become is one who uses her her constant forward motion to try and get past her traumas, and yeah, it feels True. in character for her to be like, "Right, we just got to get on with these things." There's, I can't, I if I stay here, I'm staying with what this with this event. I need to move past and move away and i think that's uh rel- like that's a good way for the anime to uh deal with something which is very difficult for any uh narrative to deal with uh, for it to be done in character that their yeah, their their reaction that's... may not be may who knows if it's authentic not i but it's authentic to the character and i think that's all we can ask
2: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It is fantastic. It's a fantastic show. Um, I would recommend everyone to watch
1: it. Speaking of fantastic shows with characters who are a thing, Ben.
2: I don't have to talk anymore. (laughs) Let's give us the completely
1: unproblematic, honestly, lovely, lovely story of slavery and murder that is Vinland
0: Saga. The feel-good story. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Vinland Saga probably has one of the more uh, serious and principled examinations of, of violence in its second season. I know I came into this with a little bit of trepidation, um, but I've been absolutely blown away by that second season. Um, watching Thorfinn slowly see all the people that he's killed as human, as he has to like live the lives that they might have had as this enslaved farmer on a huge estate in Denmark. Um, having his old frenemy, Canute, come because he just needs more money to finance a conquest of England and for Thorfinn to get to stand up for his principles of nonviolence, that no man is, is his enemy, just like his father told him at the beginning of the series, um, and truly that uh, the little people are basically pawns to die because two rich people have a disagreement i thought it was stupendous i like angry emo boy thorfinn of the previous season wore on me a lot as y'all listeners might know but just to watch him develop a set of principles and then to come home and be able to tell his family at the very end of the show or at the end of the season at least although i don't know if we're going to get a, another season yeah. it certainly seems like they don't think they will We'll be talking about this with Golden Conway a little bit too (laughs) in a, in a bit, but, but yeah, for him to come home and to kind of show that he's, that he's reached this maturity. um, It really does have almost a a Joseph Campbell like structure to it um, where he goes to this crucible and he has his beliefs tested and finds himself at the exact opposite philosophical position that he started from and not out of despair or spite or anything like that, but because he, he truly comes to see that there are there are many beautiful things to do with a life, and killing is not one of them. And especially with that being his arc, seeing how much violence is a choice, how these people keep escalating, and how someone who always takes the violent action, as in Arnaz's, uh husband, uh, can't remember his name, the weird berserker dude. Who completely threw a wrench in Uh, things before Canute's army? It doesn't. It it doesn't matter. But like watching him, just like he's just violence just destroyed everything he had. Like every time he chose violence, he lost something. And to watch these these people trapped in this culture where violence and action are synonymous, and that violence and power are synonymous, and for them to eventually have to stand before Canute and say, like, you're just another murdering, conquering king. Like, your 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 principles, the reasons for doing it are great. But the show seems to have come down on the side that there's only really one outcome to a life like that. At best, you get to die in bed like the the old man, the father of the owner of the estate. But otherwise, yeah, I don't know. What did you think about it, Duncan? I know that you had read the manga, and I have a lot of people being like, this season was great. Now we're on to the real Vinland saga. And to think that like yeah. this past season, this amazing season with, with so many subtle ideological positions and character interactions, it was like a prelude is kind of wild to me. But what did you think? I, I, I do think like this is
1: the outstanding arc of the show. Like I have talked before about how I think the, is a Russian society to, for people to define who they are at an early age and f- to watch someone redefine himself to take what he had become and bit by bit by bit by bit slowly remake himself into something he can live with where he could not live with who he had become before is just I, I I want to say fascinating. It's not quite the way we've put it. It's compelling. Yeah. C- compelling is, is what I would say. Mm-hmm. That no character is just black or white. Like Kettle, the owner of the farm he's enslaved on, early on, we're we given the impression of him as this, this person who, despite being this landowner, is going to give him a chance to win his own freedom. And... Aina, uh, Thorfinn's friend, is so amazed by this offer. We go along with Aina, we're like, okay, this isn't what... they're giving, He's given giving him a chance, he must be a good person. But it becomes clear that that's just a convenience to him. That's because it works well for him. It's not because he is a good person. He has violence and cowardice in him that end up causing the death of um, Arnhild, who is herself a character who we are shown as this person who has endured so much the loss of her family and becomes almost like a saintly figure to to Einar and Thorfinn. Like, she's... She is just like this—this this pure maiden. Like she's yeah. someone they just look up to as just like this—this this perfect woman,
0: right? And she, like, she can't survive around around this awfulness and this cruelty.
1: Yeah, and and especially that she's become this sort of this detached person because she's. Resigned herself to the loss of her family, and the thing which sends all this tumbling down is the return of her husband, of Gada. Like him coming back into her life just gives her hope. And what you realize is she was just empty before, she wasn't at peace, she was empty. Because the moment she meets him again, her sadness and her hope return. And she doesn't want to be on this farm. She isn't at peace with it. She wants to get away. And that leads to Kettle destroying her. Yeah. Literally, like just beating her because she dares not want to be with him when she was just, he was just someone she was using who allowed her to keep living rather than someone she wanted. This fact that he's just casually using his power to have his way with her and treats it like she should be grateful for it reveals the kind of man he actually is. And then we have someone like um, Snake, who is this mercenary who is just... Lo- lo- lounging around the farm, reading to the old master because he's one—he's one of the few people who has, who can read. He'll sit sit next to old master and reads the Bible to him. Mm-hmm. He's clearly this educated, cultured man who has had to, like we find out, he's a—I a, was, I was going to say refugee. That's wrong. He—he he has fled from Constantinople for some reason, which we don't know. But he—he he is clever. He's smart. But he is also utterly ruthless despite that. We're, we're led to feel sympathetic for him. But ultimately, he, when he's given a choice of doing a, the thing which would allow a situation to end peacefully, he, he just uses violence. He uses what he's used to.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's especially Snake. the 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 slow reveal that he is an ex Varangian, either has served his time in in the guard and come home, as is often the case, and especially once William the Conqueror conquers England, a lot of the Varangians will be Anglo Saxon noblemen who no longer have anything to to, <laughs> to 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 own or do in England. Um, but at this point, it is a lot of Norsemen who, you know the The opportunities for high seas raiding are drying up. Denmark is centralizing. England is a battlefield, but kind of, <laughs> kind of ruined by by decades of warfare. So to have Snake come back and be this, be this kind of like supreme. There's like there's several examples actually of like supreme Viking people because there's Kettle's son who also is just like this ridiculous berserker. There's Snake who is who is this educated, cultured. Mm a uh, man who's seen the world and he he fights in a civilized style um and can read and i, I did enjoy the fact that like it, it's always hard for people not to like have some sort of irony between the violence of the vikings and the peace preached by christianity but it was nice to have him have his relationship with this old man be like they they read the bible together um and it's the kind of contradiction the complication that makes these characters feel so real um, but yeah, all of them, like the, the burden of Norse culture where like you have to prove strength um, and you prove strength through wealth or violence and you get wealth through violence. Mm. The fact that all these men can't set aside this tool and that most of them see it as patently ridiculous that you should go should go just farm in an island far away where no one will come and kill you to see how courageous it is that Thorfinn, and also um, Kettle's youngest son, who has been a a belligerent jackass for the entire season, and then when he sees, like, just all these farmers he's grown up knowing getting slaughtered in this completely fruitless battle against the Vikings because Kettle won't surrender, and he also shows that the true courage is knowing to stand down. Like, he saved more lives than he would have ever have saved as even the greatest warrior, Mm. because there's always that kind of zero-sum game there. Um, But knowing to stand down, knowing that there are points where you have to submit yourself to the will of someone else if they want to kill and you don't want to kill you you have to go along with that. And I think it's in general how Vinland saga is is interested in this idea of slavery that you don't kill somebody, but you take away all their autonomy and what do you leave them with and Thorfinn's arc through this season showing how much he gains from being a slave and not to say that like hmm. <laughs> everyone should try a few stints a few a stint of a few years as a slave, you know, like really <laughs> really figure out who they are. but just the, the fact that like, that when you take stuff away from Thorfinn, he be- he becomes a a better person, um, and to watch that kind of play out, and to watch different characters kind of accept that there are points where you should lay down the sword. Canute eventually decides that it's not worth it to like despoil one of his like great landowners to get more money to conquer England. Like, what's he doing with the people who already follow him? If that's if that's what he's going to use them for. Mm. Yeah, I just, the, the the texture, as you said, the way that every character is complicated, how you, characters seem like these symbols, and then we spend time with them, or something happens that mobilizes them, uh, or breaks them, mm. and we see them, we're forced to see them as people, and like, no one, no man is just an object or an idea, and I, I think that plays along really well with everything they've shown in this, in this season. Yeah. I'd be happy for another, uh, for another season, but this was great, and vindicated what was kind of a mixed experience with the first season for me. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up
1: Olma because he started out as the mo- one of the most cliched. Yes, like he's he's almost like a, a dandy Viking, almost like they almost do him as like a you know how Japan has the thing for like quiffed punks, uh-huh. like they almost style him that way as like this this youth who's consciously putting on the stylings of of violence and of uh, but also is maybe. A bit too divorced from actually what that is. Yeah. To the, the final time we see we see him where he's just in the field with the woman he's been uh, sleeping with, and he's actually just like, okay, I'm just going to become a farmer, and like I'm not going to have these pretensions towards being a warrior. I'm just going to devote myself to actually making something out of this land and growing and making things rather than destroying things and to recognize that as caring for someone because we only get introduced to him and this servant girl he's been uh, sleeping around with earlier on in like the cliche oh she's she's hoping to be elevated by being with the master and What they resolve that is 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 him instead deciding okay I I actually want to be closer to the people who who work the land rather than being like my father because my father and my brother turned out to be was terrible yeah
0: they got a lot of people killed for no great reason yeah
1: and that's to not be ashamed of of this person he was with and not to be ashamed of of what her family and who she was to to just be happy with that and happy with where his sympathies actually lie and not feel like he has to become his brother
0: or his father. Yeah, and that's kind of what Thorfinn also said when he was talking with Einar earlier in the series about how, like, I burned so much much stuff, I never knew what a miracle it is to make things grow, something to that effect. Yeah. Um, Just appreciating that there are other skills. And it was just a completely unexpected arc for him. Like, Mm
1: -hmm. you just think he's a cliche and he ends up... Having this very meaningful and understandable arc, and just to like tie this up, like I feel like the manga regresses a bit from this point. That because, like, for me, like you've done the character arc. What? Where do you go from there? Thorfinn has has become. He has developed his his sense of who he is, and. Yeah, you can throw the world at him and see what happens, but... That just becomes Trigun then. (laughs) Yeah, and thankfully, this, I think, did a far better job of not making it glamorous where someone refuses violence. For him to just literally stand there and let himself be beaten up in order to gain an, an audience, just to ride the blows. And for it to be just... Exhausting for the person who is doing it to him and not just to him, mm-hmm. I think was a very nice way of pointing out the show's view on violence, uh, just distilled into one final sequence. Like, violence diminishes the person who is, is inflicting it. And I thought that was just a, a very good culmination.
0: Well, good show. Two thumbs up. It's interesting to put this alongside Golden Kamui. Season 4, which just came back, because that is also a show with an extremely large cast of characters, but I think it struggles to naturally integrate this deepening of the characters. Very few of the characters are defined, it feels like, in Golden Kamuy 4 by their actions. We often see them behave one way, and then we have a flashback explaining their backstory. And after a certain point, it really does feel like a, a show is spinning its wheels because it knows to advance beyond a certain point is to lose a certain fictional setup. Like, we know that if we keep throwing violence at Thorfinn, it's going to be a repetitive, possibly even circular process of him, like, reaffirming his commitment to nonviolence over and over again, and is that even character growth? Mm. And having Golden Kamui realize that it's getting close to where, like, they need to find the gold or something needs to happen and instead we're just introducing like here's another here's another soldier from the seventh. Here's another soldier from the seventh. Here is a former detective. Here's some other people working with Hijikata. Like the a big chunk of season four, like, you don't even have a Sirpa or Sugimoto around. It's just like three of Lieutenant Surumi's soldiers at a hot springs hanging out. Ah. And just like That sounds dire. Yeah. It's not bad. There's a lot of fun stuff there. And like genuinely having them be on a paddle boat where a a male delivery guy with a gun um, who's a very bad, dirty, hairy knockoff like trying to shoot the people hijacking the boat, but actually it's their Russian sniper friend shooting everybody, and he just thinks that he's killing them with every single shot. He's like, oh, this is the first time I've shot this gun. Mm. I'm so good. Uh, Like, that is what I love. I love them being, like, weirdly homoerotic. I love them eating weird stuff as they do when when they're dining on sturgeon. But so much of the fourth season is just, like, explaining, like, introducing new characters and putting... Asirpa and Sugimoto through plots that end up where they started. They're dead ends or nothing comes of it. And the fact that the season has one more episode left that we haven't seen yet, it'll be out by the time this podcast is out, but they're all headed to Sapporo, all the groups. And it just feels like something that could have been happening at the beginning of the season, that nothing was substantively accomplished. They found out that they might be able to find the river where the gold is, and therefore they might be able to talk to one of the people that hid the gold. And that goes nowhere they find out this pirate guy who's been doing surveys of who's been commissioning surveys of this gold with this other weird guy and he joins them but he has given up on finding the gold it feels like adaptation rot it feels like okay well i want to get to at least volume 80 so i need to have seven more stories uh. about just random guys and like yeah we've all watched jojo's like making a weird dude um and then all the characters who you know and love have to be like man this dude's really weird and he's like yes i have 18 hands that sort of <laughs> shit. that's like that's fine but we're on season 4 like i want this story to at the very least go somewhere but yeah we'll have to see maybe this finale will will completely blow my mind but it does kind of seem like it's like it's wrapping up and it was very weird to have a whole season of just like oh it's the guy who fucks a bear he's weird uh, oh, it's a Sirpa and Sugimoto. Oh, is Sirpa's gonna give herself over to Lieutenant Surumi. No, she's not. That that is literally just a fake out at the end of the episode that then the beginning of the very next episode they run away and like that whole episode didn't have to happen. Um. Like I get it. I get it. If you've got a if you've got a hit like Golden Kamuy, you want to keep it going, but why is that stuff showing up in the in the anime adaptation? Yeah. And the answer is that the internet will riot if you cut like people are so mad at every single story you cut from Golden Kamui and I like it those guys are weird but also we've had four seasons plus OVAs yeah. plus uh, Omake theater oh goodness I mean so I've heard that Golden Kamui is like berserk yeah they're they, they sailed way up to the north and then a lot of shit happened and they just sailed back to to Hokkaido <laughs> and I was just like Cool. I mean, that's probably authentic. Like, if you're looking for, like, escaped convicts, you probably just have to go to a lot of places where not much happens. But I'm not really looking for authenticity. Oh, well, I am looking for some authenticity with Golden Kamui in terms of, like, Ainu culture and stuff. In terms of, like, the authenticity of trying to track down a bunch of, like, bizarre criminals with tattoos and they all have their weird thing. There's, like, a weird candy seller with a bunch of creepy tattoos on his face. And they have to look for him because there's also a Jack the Ripper knockoff that's going around now. There's just too many characters. I don't know any of these people. I get the two the two weird-looking soldiers with, like, the moles on their cheeks mixed up all the time, too. <laughs> or the guy who has the weird ear uh, hat okay. and the guy who has the moles on his cheeks. God, you can't hold a gun to my head and ask me what their names are. I could not tell you. I'm not there for them. I am there for Hina Hina. I am there for Shiraishi being an idiot. And not a lot of that. There's a lot of, like strange legacies of the Bakmatsu and the and the russia japanese war which i don't know maybe it'll be better if i can take a break from it but do you feel like that's the problem for golden
1: camry is that its central mystery wasn't its charm early on like it's not who has the gold is never what drew anyone into that series it was sugimoto and asirpa and uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the the thief's name. Um, Hirasu. Yeah, it was those that little trio playing off each other, like they were a bunch of weird little idiots who had a great dynamic together in the same way that Konosuba's yeah. uh, party does. And now you're getting the season where you explore all the lives of the inhabitants of the town, and it's turning <laughs> out like that's not what you were here for. You were here for that main relationship and for the way it plays off and for everything that brings and instead it's like okay i didn't actually think this plot was what i had to deliver on what am i doing
0: now i think it is revealing that both lieutenant surumi and hijikata toshizo both have the plan of like take the money and start a breakaway republic in the north and I think that's another way of stalling the plot, is like, oh, there's two guys who have exactly the same exactly the same agenda, but they're actively working against each other, and now our heroes can bounce between them, but now things have sort of shaken out that the two adversarial groups have collected most of the skins, and Asirpa and Sugimoto are kind of just trying to stay in the game, but they definitely aren't the main movers of the plot anymore, and... Yet when we're with them, I'm having fun. And when we're not with them, I'm like, where's Sugimoto and Asirpa? What's going on with them? I don't want to watch a couple of Tsurumi soldiers fight a blind guy in a cave. I mean, I did, but I I would prefer to, you know, learn about these characters, watch them interact. I don't know. It does seem like a, a story that's running out of material. So if this is the last season, that might be for the best. It's hard to say though, because anime and long running series, We'll have to see.
2: Anyway, other shows that uh, also have gotten on a boat. <laughs> Dr. Stone, New World.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. Shows that also run forever and you don't really know where they're going. No, it's that the manga's ended. I, I did
2: watch, uh, after some minor grilling by E-Virus, I watched a view where uh, he gets a, another stupid guy and then a butler, and then they move on to trying to sail the seas in which they find an island and then promptly everyone, bar about five of them, turn to stone. That's how you make sure that your cast don't get much diversity.
1: <laughs> you li- you turn them to stone, literally. <laughs>
2: turn them back to stone, yeah. I mean, I, I like Dr. Stone originally. This is more of Dr. Stone. It is science in the prehistoric apocalyptic world that is dumb and fun they now, for some reason, can make motors and they can make like a little drone. And I believe it all and I love it all. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it ends. It looks like it's got a second part to this site, island that they go to. I I found it quite amusing that they're like, we're going to sail the world and go to find out where the center of this world-ending event happened. And then they just go to one island like a week later and then (laughs) they they eat shit. It's good. Like if you liked Dr. Stone originally, still going to like this. Doesn't have really dumb shit like the cryostasis that one character got put into. Uh, Instead, it just has fun, science, solving problems in the prehistoric world and great characters. I like it a lot. I don't have anything more to say. <laughs> Fair
1: enough. It's just there for the true believers, basically. For completeness's sake.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it has an ending in sight. It it knows what it's wanting to do. And this is like, it is interesting that they this character turned everyone to stone. So there is somehow there is a science behind it that Senku is going to try and find out. And that's what's kind of interesting is that you always know that he is trying to solve things by science and there's always a scientific reason behind things apart from this one key mystery which probably won't make sense but i don't care <laughs> i don't care for the i don't care for that i care for the journey i care for the characters i care for but like, there's a genuinely really touching moment where you see senku's dad just like sifting gold and platinum pieces in a river for like years and years and years and years and years just cuz he knows it's going to help his son in the future somehow huh. and that is really touching and sweet there's a there's a fair few moments like that scattered throughout dr stone that really gets you like really does a little gut punch and uh yeah i find it good
1: is it is it paced well because uh i have a problem with a lot of the shonen adaptations i run into that as ben has talked about they do not like skipping anything and what I saw of season 1 of Doctor Stone was that of the many problems I had with it. It was a very f- fast-paced and energetic show. Does it keep that up?
2: Yeah, totally. Okay. And it cuts down a lot of the exp- like the exploration side is done. The the finding pieces of equipment is done. Mm-hmm. They very quickly in the first like 5 episodes get oil money and gold and metal and then also an industrialized town it it very quickly like accelerates through the technological stage. i was gonna
1: say like every time i see pictures of it it looks like basically a rube goldberg civilization like all these weird machines built which which is it's kind of amusing just to watch how they operate and there's just like a kind of joy in that
2: yeah and and i say it benefits as well from being broken up into seasons i okay i feel it works seasonally works like you watch a season you put it down then a new season comes as opposed to just like a continuous thing or like fucking sprinting through all of it like just binge watching it all i mean you could do it but i feel like that would be a bit of an ask i think it works better as a seasonal thing and i think you should get back on it man i don't know why you didn't you stopped watching it good
1: stuff in the end I just didn't feel like the characters had anything compelling to them and so I ended up dropping it just because I need a hook not just shown in progression to bring me forward mm. which I say that now and yet I have just finished watching season 3 of Demon Slayer Swordsmith Village Arc mm. and dear god there's no character progression <laughs> like this is like oh so- you can tell when a big shonen show has ha- had a b- bad season when even its own fans are like, that was a bit boring. If there's one thing a shonen should never be is it should never be boring. Your one job as a shonen is just entertainment and action carrying you moment to moment. You don't need to be thinking about the future. It just has to capture you and drag you along. And this was just a big disappointment because it had that problem that some adaptations from comics and manga to uh, animation or film have in that it did not know how to decompress its material. Like, comics and manga have this wonderful ability of a single panel to encompass a huge amount and for a gap between two panels to be any amount of time the author wants. It can be a second between two panels. It can be a year between panels. The pacing set by the page. And the problem is when you expand that panel out, what was one page suddenly becomes 10 minutes and the pacing's completely lost. And this was a show where it started with huge characters spouting 10-minute dialogue things at each other, which were less conversations and more people monologuing at each other, and then progressed to some absolutely astonishingly animated fight scenes, but fight scenes which went on so, so long what should have been over in an episode was spread over three and it just did not carry me with it at all and i feel like it's such a shame to see ufa turbo's skill ending up this way because in terms of craft they are still astonishing at times there are still moments where you just like i haven't seen something animated like that but that amazing moment is going to be bridged with the rest of the episode by 10 minutes of noise, of visual noise. And it's very much a case of feeling like they are just asking if they can adapt any moment from the the thing rather than asking if they should. There's no, no selection to what they're doing. It's just we'll fit it all in and we'll animate it all and it will stretch so much longer than it should. Uh, It was just very, very disappointing. And I would say, if you liked the film, maintain that good memory. Don't bother with this. Uh, it's, (laughs) It's not worth your time. Mids is watching it and she liked it.
2: Okay. She's liking it now, but she's, I don't think she's gotten to the end of that season, but I have heard, I've heard similar things that people are saying it's dropping off. It is weird, considering the show, the manga is ended long before, like even the film came out.
1: Mm, yeah, uh, it's it's maybe one of those cases where the film was just unprecedentedly big. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh shit, we got a money press here, boys."
2: Uh, which which also then coincides. I think we were, I mentioned last time, like when we talked about the opening uh, of the season. Like the way they split up the movies in line with the episodes also doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because you can't watch the two movies back to back and it be a continual story. There's like a chunk of five episodes that you have to watch. And then the actual next movie is like the last two episodes of the. Seconds or whatever season, and then like the next three episodes of the other season it's mm-hmm. really fucking irritating, and it feels like it's made purposely to be confusing and to rob you of money.
1: Yeah, because you you know what's what's confusing, Andy, it's when you uh, tune in to watch the new season of uh, a show you really liked, and you find out it's actually just a series of shorts about mm. events which took place yeah. during <laughs> that previous season.
2: Yeah, I dropped this. Yeah, I, I don't blame as you. As
1: soon as I realised. Because Ranking of Kings, the treasure chest of colours, is not what I was hoping for. It's not wholly irredeemable, but it was very disappointing. As we alluded to in the previous episodes, Ranking of Kings was a great story of Bodhi, this deaf kid who is seemingly very weak, but manages to find his special way of fighting and strength and allows his courage to come back against this world of fairy tale stories which are strange and far more macabre than its very childish and playful art style would suggest at first and we had two seasons of it which were apart from one fight against an immortal guy who dragged on far too long, genuinely excellent Mm. with some absolutely fabulous animation and a very appealing and enjoyable cast. The problem is this takes that cast and that story and splinters them and just ends up so utterly... Incoherence that you'll have each story doesn't lead into the other one you'll you'll have one where bodgie will be learning what makes Desper a good teacher of swordsmen and then you'll have one where him and dida going about their childhood uh, adventures together and there's no chronological order to them there's no order of any kind it's it's a series of shorts and I think, like like any short collection, the quality varies hugely. There are some which are generally a lot of fun to watch. Like the aforementioned little peek into the childhood of uh, Dida and Bodgie. They're adorable They're, and the animation's great and that's perfect. But then you'll just get one where you get a story about Desper's white horse and... It just feels utterly redundant. You didn't need to know this at all. And what caps all this off and makes this whole thing so much more frustrating is, come the final episode, guess what? Plot development.
0: Yeah. Um, To reward you for sticking in there. (laughs) Yeah. Nine
1: nine episodes of absolutely nothing. Then final episode, yeah, we're going to actually resolve... If people remember, the immortal uh, brother uh, Unkun uh, was like one of the villains of the previous season, and his two brothers Despera and Desha were trying to free him from this immortal curse. And this episode, they do. <sighs> <Right. laughs> they resolve. They they resolve. <laughs> they resolve it, and. Uh, It drives one of them mad and uh, we also are revealed some information about what the ranking of Kings is, what this organization is and how that relates to the gods. And it's just after an entire series of nothing, it's suddenly, uh, and here's this hugely important resolution to a a story arc and also important clue to how this world works. And so. I would say to anyone who's got a streaming service or another thing, skip the whole thing apart from episode, the final episode. You'll be fine. <laughs> it's it's essentially a a 25-minute ONA, which you can ignore the rest of the shorts which came out. and That's good. It's good a shame because there is some lovely animation in some of the episodes, but I ultimately don't think it's worth people's time to to have to dip in and out of it to find it. They're tasty little morsels, but they're too few and far between. Yeah. So yeah, sadly I
0: rank this king as a D D plus. Well, do you wanna close out with some discussion of which for Mercury, and then we can mm-hmm. move on to our next <laughs> next activity today that sounds too exhausted and put out uh, i also finished insomniacs after school
1: but do you want to do that then my my view view of insomniacs after school is please see what i said about it uh previous episode because it was exactly what i expected it didn't change in any my expectations in any way shape or form no surprises. if you want to watch two uh, people slowly fall in love and hang out uh, amongst stylish guys, guys go for it otherwise you'll be bored to tears
2: Actually, I did watch another anime this season. I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> the danger's in my heart. It's pretty cool. It's pretty fun.
0: Okay, cool. Well, I have mixed feelings about... Apparently I have mixed feelings about everything except Vinny and Saga. <laughs> but no. So people got really excited about Witch for Mercury and... Um, this is one of the instances where just being on the internet makes me like an anime less. Not <laughs> necessarily because of fans, but just because there were so many like, here is here is why Prospera is the secret protagonist of, of Witch for Mercury, and here's how Quiet Zero is way more than just a way for her daughter to exist in normal space, and like all of these like super, super intricate, almost nonsensical. Explanations of like what's actually happening, mm. but but honestly, I think that that's almost a symptom of of why I have mixed feelings about *Witch for Mercury* because I think it's actually a, a fairly straightforward show that unfortunately is really obscured by, again, a too large cast of characters, not all of whom are properly characterized, and uh, a lot of political noise that never resolves into anything. Like I was trying to think about how we've led up to the to this situation in the penultimate episode how there was a a faked terrorist attack on Earth to cause a divide in the Binneret group, and then it caused one member of the Binneret group to side with the like Space League, which I guess is the government that we haven't really heard that much about. Mm. I thought the Binneret group was kind of effectively space government, but I guess not. Have one of them move against the rest, and then Prospa's doing her own thing in alliance with Shadiq, but not really, and Gweldja Turk and his brother fight. Like, I think that this is honestly a show that tries to be a lot more political and a lot more intricate than it actually is. Mm. I think that the character interactions, the weirdness of the world, just the basic structure of things is what's good. And all of these maneuvers, the way that character motivations seem to turn on a dime, how Guell's brother goes from worshiping him to trying to kill him to the moment that he thinks he has killed him back to like grieving and worshipful. How Minarine goes from, Devoted to Suleta, to alienating her for her own good, to forgiving her again once Suleta's made growth. Suleta is a fairly constant character, and Prosper is too. But it feels like a lot of the other people in there are are just kind of like doing whatever the plot calls for them to do. And I think this is honestly an example of a Gundam that ends up kind of having less to say because there's all this this back and forth and alliances and betrayals Mm -hmm. that, again, end us... Maybe half a step forward from where we were several episodes ago with like all the the changing tides. I like the the idea of sibling favoritism that uh, that ultimately resolves around Prospera's plan to free her eldest daughter. I like Minorine and and uh, Suleta's relationship, even though the show kind of seems bored with it um, after the first few episodes. Um, I even like Gwell's attempt to grow. I don't really know what his arc was because he learned not to be arrogant but then when he fought his brother in this past episode his brother said that's the problem with you you're always you're so arrogant and he's like you're right but i'm gonna change i'm like didn't didn't that happen after his one of his multiple defeats by other people Mm -hmm. way it just i don't know it's not as bad as like reconguiston in g where you just literally have like politics that are fucking Jackson Pollock paintings in terms of comprehensibility, but it does seem like there's just a lot going on and not a lot of it matters. And I don't think the stuff that does matter is always brought to the fore. So it's a, it's a show I amply enjoyed and I like all the characters and I love the art and especially the ED, this, this current ED is, is just stupendous, but it it feels like a lot of heat, not a lot of light Mm. at times Mm -hmm. when it comes to this writing. I
1: I do feel like it had a tendency to be like, uh, this week it turns out this person's the real mastermind. And then next week it's, oh no, they were actually, this person was actually the true power behind that person. And next week it's, oh no, this person was actually the true power behind that person. And then the week after that, no, this organization was controlling everything from the shadows. And it's not good as a plot, but it does kind of thematically i i will say that it does have this overarching theme of these kids not being ready for what's being thrust upon them like they are in this little school where they pantomime dueling and then they're sent out into the real world and everything goes to shit because they have only been playing when the adults get involved horrible things happen because they aren't half as competent as they think they are i agree yeah yeah, that's that's coherent. But for them, it feels like everyone had to have their oh shit, I fucked up moment. And over a big cast and it happening every week, it kind of, yeah, it hammers home the point. But as you say, it starts to feel like just a lot of noise and not a, a clear one person's narrative or one... Even though they have this overarching theme, because they're splitting it up into each of these individual people's realization that same thing yeah. has happened to them, it becomes both homogenizing and at the same time split up. So it's it's like just yeah. this colorful mess of a soup, like with nothing being able to express itself fully, and you need to get everything out of that character, and yet all of them blending together in a way that isn't satisfying either you're not you're not getting them playing off each other and you're not getting the best of them individually you're just getting a mishmash um it still looks astonishing
0: and it's funny <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a it's it's a great looking show but like the fact that like people that like a lot of characters seem to be these single use to either have their own revelation or to force a revelation on someone else. The fact that there's, like, a room of, like, rejects the plot no longer needs, that, like, three of the characters, Nico, uh, I almost called him Elon, Elan, <laughs> uh, and uh, green-haired, angry green-haired Earth girl who died uh, later, like... and But honestly, I like that. It was three characters stuck in a room where they have to talk to each other and they don't agree, and it's about, like, small moments of compassion. And it, I think it managed the intimate story... That I think the broader show wants to have, but it's got this huge sprawling thing with three companies, three huge companies who are part of a consortium, which is part of a government. And also there's the earth and also there's the mercury consortium, which had two different forms because of the purge. And there's also Shadik who's working with the like earth witches, but also Manipulating the presidential election, which ends up not mattering at all—like yeah. it's completely irrelevant—because the the big space government brought in a massive laser array. That it's it's weird to think that this started with duels at a school. We're yeah. <laughs> where we are right now, and it, it I think we covered a lot of ground for for how much has actually happened. Like that massive space array
1: is a huge callback to uh, one of the the super weapons from the original Gundam, which uh, gets used when we talked about this series originally it was it, we were like talking about how much it was just cribbing bits from utina cribbing bits from gundam itself cribbing bits from the tempest and like it's thrown them together and it doesn't seem to have decided which one is its key thematic anchor like you know it, it's it's a pastiche and it Again, just as with the characters, with its influences, it doesn't seem to know which is the flavour it wants to go
0: with. And so we've just got, like, a bad soup. And... I wouldn't call it bad. Like mm-hmm. I like I'm really trying not to be negative. I do like it, but whenever I whenever I pay attention to the plot really closely, I do not find myself rewarded <laughs> because <Yeah>. chances <laughs> are Sheik's gonna be it. doing something completely different next episode. He's gonna have betrayed this nominal ally for this nominal ally, or Gwell's gonna go from from kind and humble to like proud and arrogant and fighting over like points of honor again. Like, these characters kind of just seem to be very situational. They might have, like, one core personality trait that they kind of orbit around as they, like, embrace it or reject it. And to compare that to—I know I bring up A Gundam way too much, but Turane Gundam is a great example of where every character has a very distinct moral stance and— you, we put them in this war zone where we see these moral stances tested, and some people are strong, and some people are weak, and some people's ideology is useful and adaptable, and some people's ideology is, is fragile and, and brittle and prone to breaking. And I don't think there are a lot of characters in which for Mercury who believe in something specifically, except for like Elan's nihilism, Minarine's desire for independence, Prospera's commitment to a promise she made to her daughter. They have, like, moments of principle, but they don't really feel like a holistic ideology that characters are applying, like, a com- compared to, like, Loran's pacifism in Turne Gundam, and how it's tested under different circumstances. And we, the only place we really got that was with Suleta's if you take a step back, you get one thing. If you take a step forward, you get two things. But that's, like, tested and broken, and now she's just kind of an anime protagonist who wants everyone to, like, happy together I was really wondering I mean they kind of did it with the whole like when they defeated Prospera and she's like angry and they're like hey take a step forward And you win two things and she's like damn it but that's the closest we get to like a consistent ideology being tested otherwise it's yeah it's a it's much vaguer themes of growing up mm-hmm. and acknowledging that like you've maybe have not been interacting with the real world but yeah I, I like it I just I wish it was it was more articulate. Um, which I think is kinda of the problem with Gundams. I think they either can be very spectacular or very intellectual, and I don't think there's much in between the two. <laughs> that's that's particularly standout work. Yeah. But but yeah. Also, I've noticed that um, Sueta's ahoke has been falling down over the course of the show, and her like fully grown, like long-haired version has no ahoke. <laughs> so it's just like, okay. That's
2: actually an integral part of the plot, Ben. If you've not been paying attention to it, so why I haven't been paying, paying
0: attention. attention to
2: Sometimes, fucking hell, you just don't appreciate I, the genius that this anime is representing. I, I think
0: I think that's one of the most cle- more clever things that Witch for Mercury does. If the fact that like this complete idiot character, like over the course of of Tukur, like her like idiot. Trope design element like goes away as she like becomes smart or like becomes a bit more self aware. But Suleta, I don't know. I, I, maybe Suleta will do some dumb shit stuff next episode and I'll be proven completely wrong. I, but, I think, uh, doesn't mirroring have one of those as well? I wonder she if she does have one as well. Uh, is it gonna, it gonna her gonna, has stayed perfectly tall while Suleta's has kind of gotten damped uh, down. Yeah, we know she's still in a then. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, she she did learn that her mother loved her, which, which I guess if you have it's to true. if you have to learn that, then maybe you are an idiot via tomatoes. <laughs>
2: what what a what a thing to learn. <laughs> well,
0: because it ends up being the secret code that hacks that hacks the Gibson. So, uh, All right. have we learned to stop talking about anime and go to bed? I think so. I think in, I think indeed we have. <laughs> All right, so tune in next episode. We will be talking about the beginning of the summer 2023 anime season. I know I'm excited for Ohoku: The Inner Chambers, um, and presumably some other shit. That's oh, you're not excited. Much more up my alley. You're not
2: excited for Mental the Girlfriend season three, then. <sighs> <laughs>
0: legitimately forgot i thought it, i thought i had one more season of freedom before i have to watch no, no, before i have that. to watch kazuya drive a crowdfunding campaign into the ground maybe that'll be fun I need, I need to watch it i need to get i need to finish season two yeah you better don't make me be all alone with my pills and needles anyway <laughs> rate and subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice find us on facebook search for keyframes podcast find us on twitter at keyframes pod we should probably get on blue sky if that's something that brands are going to do uh anyway (laughs) email us questions keyframespodcast at gmail.com and most of all tell a friend uh
2: but not just any friend ben i would tell the friend who loves a boat (laughs) seems like people love boats
1: yeah.
0: Is it a nice boat, Andy? A nice boat. Oh, jeez. I was going to say, tell a friend who um, has recently dumped her girlfriend in order to become president by taking a humanitarian mission that will get blown up by an evil secret PMC, and then that won't matter two episodes later.
2: Tell a friend who's recently got a new job looking after a bunch of kids who
0: want to be idle superstars. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your friend who's recently been enslaved in medieval Denmark that, <laughs> that they should watch
2: some anime. Tell your friend who's a hardened criminal and then is now forced to go on an
0: island to,
2: to find the elixir. Well, you said hardened life. criminal. I'm like, oh, is he doing
0: Golden Kamui or is he doing... Uh... <laughs> uh, okay, say goodbye, everybody. Bye. 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 bye.